it's Saturday. Time for another episode of Beyond Garnet. Let's get creative. Maybe too intense for some listeners. Maybe unsuitable for sensitive people. May cause dizziness. May cause drowsiness. May cause excitability. Safety goggles may be required for listening. Take with food. Avoid contact with skin. Avoid extreme temperatures and store in a cool, dry place. This is not legal advice. Must be present to end. Contents under pressure may contain small parts. Listen at your own risk. Hi, welcome to Beyond Garnet with Lana Reed. I am not Lana Reed, as you might have guessed. Uh, Lana has had some fine guests on here, very, uh, very informative, very educational. It only made sense to add her to that roster. So today, I, Brian Dobbins, am going to be interviewing Lana Reed herself. So we're going to get started. Uh, I'm not going to do a big, long lead-in because I don't believe in those, and I don't like hearing myself talk anyway. So we're just going to go right to it. Hi, Lana. Hi, Brian. Welcome to your podcast. Thanks for having me. <laughs> on your podcast. <laughs> on my podcast. <laughs> I'm going to get right to the first question. Is that okay with you? Yeah, go for it. Let's go back to the beginning, Lana Reed. Oh, boy. The beginning. When she was a baby. No. <laughs> when did you start working in the industry? Wow. Um, it was the early 90s, I believe. Mm-hmm. I started out as a hand model. You Believe didn't. it or not, I did. You're like George Costanza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I um, got a couple of gigs being a hand model and then transitioned to doing a little bit of extra work. Not a lot. Um, my big claim to fame with being an extra was playing a, a dead body in the middle <laughs> of a field in July. How'd you do with that? For the show posed very awkwardly uh-huh. it was not fun there was a show um in the 90s called the new detectives and they did yeah that. they yeah. did reenactments of real crimes yeah and i was in this field for about three hours in the mm-hmm. blazing sun in a black long sleeve sweatsuit wow that and jelly shoes you know that just goes to <laughs> illustrate how even <laughs> the simplest things come with their challenges oh yeah you know yeah i suppose you brought a lot of deadness to the role i did uh, i was great um but, but until things started crawling on me and then i wasn't so dead <laughs> that was an issue <laughs> look out <laughs> but i got i realized i got in trouble because we would take a break i got two like 15 minute breaks out this whole time that i was allowed to move probably 12 hour day crazy mm. um and I realized that I, I was very interested in what was going on behind the camera. I was watching why they set it up there and mm-hmm. why are they shooting it this way and why are they why are they moving it this way when they're filming? So yeah, I the budding detective. Yeah, I didn't yeah. I didn't want to be the dead body anymore. Or actually the budding director. <laughs> that's what I meant to say. Yeah. You kind of answered this the, the this was kind of a two part question. Uh-huh. Uh, it was gonna it was gonna say, uh, what were the first gigs you got? You went ahead and answered yeah. that, but I know you got subsequent gigs after that to lead into things. Yeah, I did, um, but it was, you know, I did a lot of promo work mm. on the side, too, like, because I wanted to act at that time, and hand modeling gigs were very competitive. It was very hard really? um, to mm. land a hand modeling gig. You know, I was an extra in a few things. I did, believe it or not, the second, very second project I did where I played, um, I was like a housewife-type woman who comes out of her back door and I had like two lines of dialogue and there's this homeless girl standing on the diving board of my in-ground pool just bouncing up and down and I'm like 
who the hell are you? So was she, you know, part of the the project, or was she just some homeless girl? Who she was. It? She was part of the okay. project. She was actually the the director. It was funny. She was playing the role of this oh, girl. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I had a couple lines of dialogue with her, and but I did the extras casting for her. Okay. Yeah. So that's also sort of where my love for casting came in mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Listen, I know you. I, I know you're adamant about training. Yes. Ongoing training. Yes. Who were your acting coaches, and what did you come away with from them? Well, when I first started, um, I took a class with a gentleman named Colin Worcester, who was with the uh, Playhouse in the Park for quite a few years. Mm. Um, I think he lives in New York now, and he's a musician. But anyway, he was a fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. He was more theater, you mm-hmm. know. They, they have some good actors there. Oh, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, I studied with him, ironically, right down the road from where I'm living now, which is a complete opposite side of town from where I grew up. And so every time I drive by it, I'm like, oh, Colin, my first acting class. You know, I'm getting nostalgic. <laughs> yeah. And Colin was, um, he taught you not to overthink what you were doing. He was the, being my first acting coach mm. makes him the first person who showed me that, I don't want to say acting simple because it's, because it's not. But as the actor portraying a character, don't make your character so complicated that you don't understand them mm-hmm. or you can't play them. Okay. So that was my big takeaway from him. Um, I did study, I took a one, I think it was just one intensive with um, Barry Papik and Kurt Baltz, who I love. They're both fantastic. Um, they're both working actors. I think Kirk teaches um, traveling and I believe Barry teaches um, in North Hollywood still to this day. Both brilliant actors, um, and I learned from them that don't hide. When you're playing a character, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of actors that they tend to shy away from the camera, or they drop their head, or, you know, they don't want to make eye contact with the other character, because they're so, we get so caught up as people worrying about what everybody else is thinking, and my big takeaway from them was don't hide. Okay. This is your chance to show everybody the talent that you have. Pretty valuable Pretty lesson. Pretty damn valuable, a, right? should be a no-brainer, but yeah. for a lot of us, it's not, you know? And then my, my number one would be Silvana Gallardo. Sure. I right, studied right. with her for six years, I think. Yeah. Um, multiple times a month, and as, she... As good as it gets. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, right. don't, you don't get a better coach, mentor, and friend than her. I think the thing that I learned from her, which is really, really valuable, is... You have everything you need to play that character because you've experienced all these emotions at some point in your life. Mm -hmm. And also, you're enough as a person. Yeah. You know, don't let anybody devalue you. She was such a big personality herself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, She just dominated a room. Yeah. You know. She had that presence, man. She had the presence. And, uh, yeah, I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity to study under her. What you, you do a lot of different things. You're a coach yourself. Yeah. You do acting coaching yourself, yeah. and you're uh, you've been an actor. You're a director. Uh, what what is your preferred position on a project? You know, actor or director? Director. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a director. It's hard to do both, though, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not Clint Eastwood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you're yeah. a lot younger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of these days, you know, I might I might create something that I decide to act in and direct I don't know maybe mm-hmm. um but if I have to choose definitely I always want to direct um yeah uh what have been some of your most memorable projects my most memorable I'm probably gonna have to lean towards um a dead husband in a western town aka western world 
and Dogwood yeah. Pass, just because I yeah. love the Western genre so uh -huh. much. Um, although I, I really enjoyed the atmosphere on the set of the Randoms mm -hmm. with uh, Nancy Pushkar's project. Sure. Yeah, just I a great group of actors, mm -hmm. and the energy on that set was so inspiring and exhilarating. You know, I know most of those guys, yeah. and uh, I can imagine that that was just a fun room to be oh, in, yeah. and, a, and a productive room to be in. Yeah, absolutely. And it um, seeing the the first episode in its entirety already mm -hmm. edited, it's it's so fun. It's great. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah. it looks beautiful. Now, uh, I I don't want you to name it. Okay. 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 But I know every actor, every director, uh, everyone who's ever worked on any project, yeah, usually has a project that they wish they had passed on. Do you have any of those? Do you have were there were any projects that you would rather not have been involved with? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I don't know how you couldn't um, really, but yeah, yeah, and, definitely. And, and why? I wasn't given all the information. I wasn't given the script. Oh. I, I had a one day. I was only on set for one day. And you were the director? Nope. You were an actor. I okay. was an actor. Um, an actor with no script. I was given my two pages of my scene. Oh. And I said, I don't know what's happened before this and after this. And they said, well, we think this... It's what everybody says. We think the script is so good. We don't want anybody to steal it or any of it to leak. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, mm -hmm. okay, but I don't know what's happening before <laughs> this. And I don't know what's yeah. happening after. And that's going to have a right. big impact on how I play this. Sure. So I would, um, I would have passed on that. Had I, had I studied with Silvana Gallardo before that project, oh. I would have passed on it. This yeah, was yeah, pre-Silvana. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I know she made a big impact on you. Yes. She as everybody she came across. Sure. Who are you inspired by right now in film? In film right now. I'll tell you someone I'm always inspired by. Not because I know a lot about her personally, mm -hmm. but because I know her films. Is Catherine Bigelow. Yeah, for sure. She takes for on sure. these films that are male-dominated. Right. And Owns Hurt it. Locker. Mm -hmm. my, one of my favorites always, mm -hmm. Point Break. Mm -hmm. You know? I just, she inspires the hell out of me. She always has, so she always will. Obviously, the film industry has been really impacted by the quarantines we've been going through. Right. And everything. Nothing's really happening and everything. Right. But beyond that, beyond that, what do you think about the current indie film culture? Do you like where it's going? Do you like... I'm concerned for where it's going. Okay. Um, to be quite honest with you, coming out of... People may totally disagree with me, but coming out of um, the lockdown and the, mm -hmm. the issues going on, I think it's going to be really hard for indie films to meet the criteria Oh, for all yeah. the regulations for safety. Um, yeah, yeah. Not that people weren't being safe before, but now you have to have so many other people um, on your crew for for safety and for cleaning and sanitizing and, and these are being imposed and, by SAG. Correct. Or right. Not. Yeah. They are. Yeah. They are. Even for an indie film. Well, here's the here's the this is me. When I think of indie film, I think of I don't want to make a film unless I have a name attached to it. Someone mm. who people know. So therefore, you have to when you have a SAG actor on your set, even though it's an indie film, and you have that um, SAG new media, which I know they're changing 
the contracts and everything are going to be changing as well. If they haven't already, you still have to abide by those rules because you have SAG actors on your set. Which is a lot easier if you have a $50 million budget. You bet your ass it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the goalpost keeps moving for indie filmmakers to succeed. You know, if you want to make a series, first it was, hey, shoot the first episode, pitch it to us, or send us a sizzle or something, you know, and then it turns into, oh, well, we just want to buy the first season. I don't know any indie filmmaker that has the funding or backers to film a whole first season of a series. I really don't. It's nearly impossible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's it. That is some concerns. Yeah. Valid concerns. Yeah. What are your aspirations going forward with all of, the, all of this we've just been, we've been talking about? I know you... I know you're inspired by people. Mm-hmm. I know you uh, want to move on to bigger and better things. What are sure. your aspirations? Short term? Mm-hmm. Oh, short term, long term, whatever you want to yeah, tell me. Yeah, short term, I want to um, get the series picked up. The series being? Dogwood Pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to get Dogwood Pass picked up. Um, I have three or four films that I want to make. I want to get those completed into mm-hmm. production and, and out there streaming. I think we've talked about it. Yeah. Um, just to slowly get better and better and better and bigger budgets and bigger budgets. And, you know, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I really want to do is um, give actors that, and this it's going to sound so harsh, but I want to give actors that a lot of people forget about. I want to start giving them the limelight again. They're still great Because actors. they're phenomenal. They have and, experience and, and the whole nine yards, you know? Yeah. I think there's a lot of projects out there for 20 and 30-somethings. I want to do a lot of projects that are for the 40-plus cast. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a big audience out there for that. These are still very viable actors. Yeah. They're still very talented. And sure. as I said, they bring a lot of experience yeah. to the game, too. Absolutely, yeah. Now, you've had some great guests on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I have. Including yourself. Lucky. I assume you have some favorites. You don't have to name them. I do. Um, but what have you taken away from some of them? Do you, do, you, do you feel like any of them in particular gave you a, you know, a particular thing to think about or to move with? Yeah, I, I have to be honest with you. I think having the conversations that I have with a lot of the guests that I've been very lucky to connect with and have a conversation with. That's some Um, good ones. They've humbled me. Mm. The way they share their stories and their information. And one of the questions I would ask people, which I haven't asked for a few podcasts for a reason, Mm. um, is a disappointment you've faced. And some of these disappointments I listened to and I thought as an actor, your heart has to be completely broken Mm -hmm. when you think about Mm -hmm. that. And you're sharing it with the world Mm -hmm. for everybody to hear. Wow. That's that's bravery, for one thing. Absolutely. And vulnerability. I learned acting tips from some of my guests. Like, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to use that technique to remember dialogue. Or, there you go. Yeah. And I don't act that much, so. What struck me, for instance, I'm going to name one of sure. you guests, Jack Halloran. Yeah. His career has just spanned so many oh, yeah. decades that the stories he was telling. Yeah. And you, you can see, you could see how... Uh, the stories were changing as yeah. they got more modern. You know, things mm-hmm. were happening way back when, uh, when he was working with, say, Robert Mitchum yeah. for, for crying out loud. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, that that type of thing is just mind blowing to yeah. me. You know, and it's also interesting too because you've seen these people in their films, 
and you see the characters they play, mm -hmm. and then when you talk to them, they're like they're nothing like any of them, which <laughs> right. we all know right. they're their own person. But it's you know it shows I mean, what great actors they are. Vernon Wells, mm -hmm. one of the coolest, nicest, sweetest, fun guys. Yeah. His little stories and stuff. I loved his story about his mom. Yeah. You know, uh -huh. um, but you see him most notably as the crazy guy with the mohawk and the right. face. But he's like. Not at all. Like you, yeah. when you talk to him, you don't even. Well, it's a good lesson it. that they are every. They are all just people. Yeah, they absolutely. Are all people, they and have, people forget that. Yeah. Well, that's part of their job. Yeah. Is to make people not know who they are as a real person. Yeah. You know, but they, they are. You know, they 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 wake up uh -huh. and they have some fruit for breakfast. You yeah. Know? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, just like everybody else. Um, Walk us through something. Walk us sure. through some of the steps in a new project. You know, locations, casting, etc. I know you do a lot of that yourself. Yeah. Uh, and so just walk us through some of the things that have to get it lined up and put into place for a new production. If the budget's already there? <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> because it really easy. <laughs> because with you, I have done those things when the budget was wasn't, there and when the budget yes, wasn't there. Yes. So, Let's yeah. Let's say it is, right? Let's go with that. So me, um, because I like to cast who I'm going to be directing, mm -hmm. which isn't the norm, as we all know. Sure. Um, the first thing I want to do when I get my budget is nail down when we're going to shoot because that's one of the first questions that everybody asks you when they have to be and they available need to know yeah. if they're available the locations need to know if they're going to be able to close or let you in or whatever they need to know so the first thing i do is nail down the date and the time and all that stuff and the length of the shoot then after i have that i don't worry so much about the locations I like to go ahead and start putting a casting call out because it's, it's not a short process for me. Mm -hmm. I like to put the casting out and leave it out for a while and get all kinds of submissions. And then I take my time going through them. And I ask a lot of people for a second read. I'll see some people that I love what they did, but I go, ooh, they would be great as this character. Oh, right, right. Change and then it. I ask them to read that character for me. So then we got to give them time to do that and send it back and all that. So I start the process of casting, and then in the middle of that, while I'm getting submissions, then I start looking at locations to try to line up. And usually I just, I look through my little Rolodex of people I know who own businesses or people that I know that their family owns businesses, and I start that way. Because I would rather give them some exposure gotcha. than someone that I don't know. Now, if we're assuming that there is a budget here. Yes. I know there is a point where you have to start relinquishing things to, you know, like costumes yeah. and, and things like that. Yeah. But, uh, but you, I know you want to keep your eye on them also, mm -hmm. but other people will, will at least be able to do some of that stuff. You know? Yeah. You, yeah. You got a costumer. I, you know, I can't do, I don't know how to do everything. Right. Makeup. And even yeah. me, yeah. I'm still learning something Correct. from every single project that I do and I hope it stays that way. It's I always everyone. want to continue yeah. to learn. I have been very uh, lucky because I'm friends with people who I can trust to bring on the set mm -hmm. um, that do makeup, that do wardrobe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, there are things that I have to entrust in other people because I just, it's not my after skill set. A, after a point, you have to. Yeah. Right? Um, I've seen you work as a director uh -huh. on set. Yeah. 
And you run a pretty tight ship. I try. You do. Um, but there are times when I've seen you be open to input. Mm -hmm. We will actually yeah. look to someone and say, what do you think or something from, yeah. you know, from cast and crew and uh, most importantly, of course, the writer. You know, always, yeah, always the writer. Always the writer. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> how has this helped you in the final analysis? How has this has this become a pretty valuable tool to you that you you do listen and if you like it, you will use it? Yeah. Has it helped out? Yeah, absolutely, it has. I mean, you know, if I cast you mm -hmm. in something, and... well, that's a mistake. I, <laughs> well, you... Clearly, this is a hypothetical. Right. Wrong. If, you, <laughs> if you've ever seen me act, that's a big mistake. <laughs> so I cast you in something, All right? right? And, you know, it's a meaty role. Say you've, you're in, like, I don't know, three or four scenes in a feature mm -hmm. film, right? You've got this, this great role. I give you all the information about the character. Then you and I have a conversation. And this is what I do with my actors. I give them the information, let them stew on it. I schedule a call with them. We talk for 45 minutes to an hour about their character. Mm -hmm. And I tell them how I see them. I tell them I see the quirks that I see in them. And then I tell them, but I want to know what you think about the character how do you see the character what are the quirks that you would give this character i get it i'm the director but you have to trust your actors if you don't trust your actors you should not hire them to play the role yeah so what i do is i let them have some control over their character i'm still going to direct them the way i want to direct them right. and if we get on the set and something they're wanting to do doesn't work we'll talk about it and then i'll just say just try it this way we've mm. got it your way now let's just try it this way and see you know and I, I imagine the same holds true with, you know, talking to the camera crew about sure. shots sure. Know, and, and that type of thing. You sure. Know? Yeah. You know, I'm not a cinematographer. Mm -hmm. So I'm leaning on my cinematographer to go, you know, I see what you're thinking here. Mm -hmm. But if we just kind of shifted, you know, a little bit and we did this and cut the frame in and made mm -hmm. this a medium instead of a wide. And I'm like, ooh, that's beautiful. And that's of course, exactly. Yeah. Of course, the writer on any script. Changes. Of course. Yes. yes. Um, and speaking of that, you yeah. you also write yourself. I do. How, how comfortable are you in that arena? I'm comfortable. I like to co-write more than I do like to write by myself. Um, because I like to bounce ideas. Mm -hmm. And I always think that two minds are better than one. Because you have more options and more ideas floating around. You know. I mean, I'm comfortable doing it. I've got some scripts that I've written completely mm -hmm. solo. Um, but it's not my, my main focus. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask you this because it's something you ask all of your guests. Sure. What, what is your favorite cake, Lonnerie? <laughs> wow. See, this is my, my, my standby, a yellow cake, classic yellow cake with milk chocolate icing. Hey. But I also love a chocolate cake with milk chocolate icing. But I think if I had to pick one, if I really had to pick one, I think I would say a molten lava cake oh, with just, ice cream. You just want to die from chocolate. Yeah, then. pretty okay. much. Right. Yeah. Right. If I'm going to die, that better be the way. Well, you do have to choose one because all your guests have had to choose one. So I think hey, hey, I let them go on to pie and other things. That's true. <laughs> well, okay, we're getting near the end here. Okay. So let's finish up the way we should. All right. About uh, let's hear about your current projects. What do you have going on right now? Wow. And what do you want to be doing after that? Even. Yeah. Wow. So let's see. I have, um, as we talked about, Dogwood Pass. You are about to finish the last episode of the first season. 
So very close. Yeah. Mark Stewart, our producer, is actively talking to people. Western World is still streaming. You can find that on, I believe, Amazon, Hulu, Tubi yeah. TV. You know, Google it. You'll find it. Um, so we've still got that going. I have um, a short film that we have a GoFundMe for right now called Mind of Fear. I'm going to direct that one. It was created and written by Sherry Samin, so you can check out that GoFundMe. So support that if you want to. <laughs> um, sport, Greed, and Betrayal. That one's not a script yet, but that's something that you and I will be working on. They're working on a GoFundMe okay. um, to get the funding for screen for book adaptation to screenplay. So that's on the back burner. We've got that. Um, the Ghost Light. Ghost Light. That's a great script. I love that. You and I co-wrote that one. You mostly. But it was your idea. Well, you know, anyway, you had the initial concept. Writing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, um, I did a lot of writing. You did. That. You did, and it's uh, a and what it, a great story. It's close to my heart. You know, at first I only worked on that because you know you asked me to work on it. Yeah. But the more we got into it, the more we started developing and yeah. everything. I, I love it now. I love the characters. Yeah. I love it. I'm, yeah. I'm down, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Absolutely. Mark is actively pitching that mm-hmm. as well. Um, my God, what am I missing? I know there's other stuff. I'm revising um, a script that I started back in 2006, but I, I made the decision to turn it into a film noir with female leads, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty geeked about that. So, and, the, and the name of that is? The Long Con. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Acapulco. Oh, right. Yeah, right, written yeah. by um, David Hughes. We hope to go into production on that film um, by the end of the year. Which a lot would going be great. on. A lot going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, Untold Tales. There's that one. That's sort of a, a different reimagined telling of uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Mm-hmm. It's a really good one. With fun um, people again. With too. fun people again, yeah. We did a little sizzle for that. You were there. You mm-hmm. were part of it. Yeah, I think Mark has got that on his slate. That's a pretty big budget. So that one, yeah. we're going we're gonna to work our way up to that one. Well, you know what? This, this wasn't one of my questions, but yeah. it is now. Yeah, yeah. We're going to work our way up to it. I, mm-hmm. I, I, know, I know that you want to each project... Each mm-hmm. finished project to be better than the project before. Absolutely. Uh, not just in size and scope, but sure. but in quality. Yeah. You know, with what you've learned on uh, previously. Right. Um, you've got all these projects going on now. When you make the next big step from these, let's say the ghost light gets done, as yeah. as I pray it will. Yes. That's going to be a nice film. Yeah. And of course, Dogwood Pass. If it gets picked up, when it gets picked up, I'm sorry. Yes. I messed up there. That's going to be a nice series. So these are these are good sized projects now. Yeah. Bigger than what you have previously been working on. Right. What's after those? I mean, your next project that's bigger in scope than those. Because ideally those will allow you to make a bigger budget right. film. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where um the long con Mm-hmm. And um, untold tales. Mm-hmm. I think that's where those start coming okay. into play. Yeah. Each one, untold tales, I would say, is um, a few projects down the line because that's a multi-million-dollar project. Okay, there's yeah. I think, animation uh, and CGI and all kinds of stuff in that. Isn't it anything under two million is considered indie? Is that right? Well, 
I believe Although, I believe that's what they say, but that's not my definition. It's certainly yeah. not my definition yeah. of indie. Yeah. And it could be changing with everything that's yeah, happening no in the industry now. right now. Yeah. Right. But uh yeah, if you've got a ten million dollar budget or mm-hmm. which again That's not a lot that's of money. That's not a lot of money in the big scheme of right. things for a movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. In, in the studio sense. Yeah. Ten millions, you know, that's yeah. that's something that you know, they'll have being done while they're concentrating on something bigger. Yeah. Um, I would say after after the ghost light, mm-hmm. um, after uh, the long con, in between there and Untold Tales would be um, Hard Luck on the Coryville Trail and oh. Coryville Last Rock. Oh, oh, okay. Gosh, I forgot about those. Those are my books. <laughs> I forgot all about them. And I've even already yeah. done the script for yeah. Coryville. And I forgot yeah. all about them. Yeah. But we've been working on a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, I want to I wanna finish that trilogy of films. Even though, in my opinion, um, mm. A Dead Husband really doesn't attach to those. R- it can. Right, right. But they're also standalone. It's a reference, but it's yeah. certainly, all, they, certainly they all stand alone. Yeah. Uh, but since you are working on all these different things yeah. and all these different genres, do you have a favorite genre either to work on or to watch? You know, I I love any type of period film. Mm. I think it's um, it's exploring a time where you didn't exist yeah, it does or, have a, or real a location ap- where you don't exist. There's a real appeal. There, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and and I, I love the wardrobe and mm. the sets. And you add amazing acting on top of that and I'm I'm sucked in yeah I, I love period films yeah I'm with you on this yeah alright Lana that's it I, I wow. think that's it that unless was, you want to add something else <laughs> try to be well you know I do this all the time <laughs> actually I listen to it all the time yeah. uh, but you have been a great guest oh. on your podcast well thank you uh, but you know I'm glad we did this because all of your guests are interesting. All yeah. of your guests have something to offer. Yeah. Uh, but but you do too. Oh, thank you. So you 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 fall right into that that worthy guest category. You know? Wow. Do I get a trophy on my way out the door? Too? Um, I'll find something. <laughs> I, I, I have, Here, have a tomato. Yeah. Here's a tomato. <laughs> I think I have an empty olive oil bottle over Ooh, there. That would make man, a nice now we're deal. talking. <laughs> so, uh, is there anything else? You want to throw out there before we wrap this up? You know I do. Let's hear it. Follow your dreams. Do what you want to do. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it no matter how absurd everybody else thinks it is. If it's something that's worthy to you, go for it. Make yourself happy. Just don't do anybody any harm. That's it. Words of wisdom and inspiration (laughs) from the multi-talented Lana Reed. Thanks, Lana. Thanks for letting me do this with you. Yeah, absolutely. It was fun. uh, It wasn't as terrifying as I thought it would be. No, I'm I'm in one piece, so we're all good. We're all good. (laughs) All right. Thanks, folks. Uh, Everybody listen. Everybody tune in. Everybody subscribe. We'll see you down the road. Cool. That's awesome. Feel free to share this podcast with your friends and family. You can also follow me on Instagram at It's Me, Lana Reed. Also, stop by Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review. Many thanks to the musical genius of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech for our super slick theme song, Jet Fueled Vixen. Thank you to Michelle Lawson for our witty and fun disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed by the guests on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the host, 
Beyond Garnet or Garnet Films.